I mean, a great example. So a couple weeks ago, I was um, preaching at a different church in town, and um, I checked my phone after service is done, and, you know, flood of text messages, which is never a good thing. And so right before service starts, we have a knife fight in our back parking lot, um, which happens, I think, a lot at Chapelwood. We have that. We had last really, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. the yeah, contemplative service Sunday. especially. Although we so. use um, butter knives, like the little small <laughs> and rounded. sometimes just butter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was. And this is Pod Have Mercy. I'm Russell. This is Pod Have Mercy. I'm John Stevens. This is Pod Have Mercy. Well, this, uh, this afternoon we are with Michael Ginger, who is the pastor at Central United Methodist Church down in Galveston, Texas. Hi, Michael. It's so good to be with you guys again. Wow, we're just talking. The church with the skylight. Yeah, we got that fixed, though. You don't have a hole in the roof anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. We have other problems, but no more holes in the roof. So. Yeah, so I'm kind of, kind of looking forward to seeing that one. Church with a skylight. Uh, there'll be another one soon enough, so just hang tight. <laughs> yeah. It's been a year since we've uh, since we talked with you. I know. Can you believe that? Yeah, and he asked where was his coffee, so he went into the room and got it. And it's from August 2021. I think that's the actual... A year ago. That's the actual bag we gave you last time, and you left. <laughs> you left. You no, remember we decided that if you did a good job, I got to take the coffee. So my assumption was, because I didn't go away with it, that no. it wasn't a very good episode. Yeah, so. no, I don't think, I think we were ambivalent. You just forgot it. That might have been it. We <laughs> would have given it, it to you, even That's if you true. were horrible, too. <laughs> well, one of the things I'm uh, just super intrigued about with you and just the way that you live and kind of move in the world is the way you understand church and what's happening down in Galveston. With the, I think a year ago, you had this idea of, 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 of the folks that are in your church that are not housed and how you might kind of interact with them and what some, some more stable housing might look uh-huh. at. Could you just kind of give us an update and tell us what's happening kind of in Galveston? And remind everybody where you are in yeah. the context and the neighborhood Thank too. You. Yeah, so um, Central, it's a really old church, right? It's been around since 1885. Um, grew big membership and then um, like a lot of our churches experienced pretty steep decline in the 50s and 60s and um, when I got there in 2014 there were four people left in this big old campus that had a thousand on the rolls not that long before Um, and so we kind of did this rebirth thing in 2014 and now it's a mix of surfers and soccer moms and probably 30% of our population is homeless and sheltered. I learned we are actually the largest provider of homeless services in Galveston County, which is you pretty are? amazing. Wow. Our churches. So we do the most oh, cool. for, it's pretty neat. So, um, what are some yeah. of the things that you provide there for them? So we do, um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Sundays, we have a hot meal that we provide. We do showers and laundry services. I think since we've met Last, we have a full clinic on site now, so folks can come for free with no insurance and see doctors, nurse, clinical lab sciences, occupational therapy, physical therapy, social work. on your campus. On campus. Um, And who does that? For, I, I do all the medical procedures. You do? Actually, so, yeah. You got a splinter. It's, it's I actually great. have a splinter right here. Get the knife. We'll just cut and it I, off. I, I, look, I yeah. even have a paper clip. I got some pliers in the car. car. It's perfect. <laughs> Everything is an amputation for you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> take it off. Take it off. Son, we're going to have to take <laughs> your leg. <laughs> it's, a, it's really a flesh wound. No, it's been a really cool partnership with, um, with UTMB and then another nonprofit on the island called St. Vincent's. And so um, the freeze that we had in 2021, we mm. opened up our building. We had like 50 folks spend the night with us for about a week. So it was the most awkward sleepover I've ever attended. But then we literally kept people alive during that time. Yeah, I'm sure. So right after it was done, um, I got a call from the uh, associate 
provost for like community engagement. And he said, we keep hearing about Central. Um, at UTMB? Yeah, our students keep talking about it. When and UTMB, do, remind people what that stands it's for. It's the University of Texas Medical Branch. There you go. So it's a teaching Big hospital. School. Yeah, it's great. A couple hundred students that are there on the island. Employs a lot of people. I think it's like 22,000 people work there. Maybe wow. 12,000. Whatever. Maybe, maybe two. We're not going to fact check. Yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> We're pastors. So, nothing that I say. <laughs> and you're throwing numbers out. We're just going to believe them. We've been doing that all our whole life. Yeah. So, so Dr. Miles Farr came knocking and said, uh, yeah, we want to be a part of what you're doing. And so went through different iterations of that. And that's been running since March of this year. So wow. it's really, really cool stuff. I, I don't think I meant to mention dentistry too. So folks can get oh, really? teeth pulled and cleaned. And You do that too? I Pliers. Yeah. <laughs> you get your foot up on the table you remember and yank it out. The, the, they tie the. A little, oh, yeah. a little slam thread, the door. and then you slam the door. That's yeah, it's great. So, um, but all of that is kind of undergirded by our philosophy of, of mutuality and kinship, which is something I know you guys talk about a lot. So, my dream is that when you walk into Central on one of our social service days, and you walk in the kitchen, for example, that you can't tell like who's serving and who's being served. It's this mishmash of everybody working together. Um, kind of an asset-based approach that starts with what's right with you instead of what's wrong with you, mm-hmm. and recognizing that everyone is something to give and to offer. So mm-hmm. so that's kind of been happening. The clinic's been a new exciting thing since we talked last. The other exciting thing is we, um, from UTMB, we, we just purchased or in the process of purchasing one of their dormitories. So it went up for really? sale. Yeah, they're trying to divest of all of their student housing. So we're like, Is oh, it okay. near the church or? Sort of, we're on 33rd, it's on 3rd Street. It's actually closer to- 30 streets over. 30 streets. 30 streets, roughly. But there's the Galveston the streets are little. It's yeah. tiny, little baby streets. Baby, little baby streets. <laughs> it's Galveston streets. Yeah, I mean, it's Galveston, so it's not that far. Um, but yeah, so we, we bought that, and we're working on turning that into like supportive, long-term transitional housing for people. Wow. So it's got 18 units in it. Folks will come in there, um, have a safe place just to be, and then either transition out to employment or educational opportunities or um, other benefits, assistance kind of things. So super cool. One thing people may ask is like, where's the funding come from? Is this grant people that, you know, grants or foundations or people who are passionate about this? Yeah, it's a little bit of all the above. So um, a lot of grants, the um, Moody Permanent Endowment Fund has been a really big help with some of that. Um, Great folks. Yeah, uh, the conference has been involved a little bit in our district. We just some really passionate people that um, also want to give directly to that. So it's been really cool. And I think one of our neat, even the church itself, like we have a lot of givers that wouldn't step foot in our building, but they're so excited about the work that's happening there that they're giving their money and um, not necessarily religious folks, but want to be a part of this. So it's cool. It's really neat. That is neat. Yeah. How did that, I mean, <laughs> so how did that, you, you get there, you know, kind mm-hmm. of appointed by the bishop and um, how do, how do these things begin to kind of unfold? I mean, did you have this in mind that, that this is what, where you were going and what you wanted to do, which was a clinic and housing for kind of folks that are unstable? Yeah, we own? had no idea. This was kind of, I wanted to be John Stevens. So, and when that didn't work out, you know, I everybody does <laughs> <laughs> get in line there, Michael, get in line. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think a lot of it was just, um, I had some proclivities towards that population to begin with. When I was in undergrad at Baylor, I was real involved with Church Under the Bridge, and so um, that kind of unsheltered homeless population has always been a group that I found myself drawn to, where I feel like I can be fully myself around those folks um, in ways that I can't always with other church people. 
And so we've always had unsheltered people as central. Um, and as those relationships kind of grew, this ministry sort of organically came from that. So um, I always tell folks, like, if you were to walk in, it's a little overwhelming. Everything that's There's a couple hundred people in the building all over the place. Yeah. And uh, we didn't start with anything close to that. It started out with a few friends on Sunday mornings um, who wanted to attend worship but felt uncomfortable because they smelled a little bit funny. And none of us cared about that, but for their own dignity, they wanted to show up in the sanctuary, you know, feeling... Um, yeah, their own sense of self-worth and dignity. And so we opened up the shower that we had and started just with that for a couple of folks. And then we started to learn that there was no food options available on Sunday. So that developed into a communal meal. And slowly this thing just kind of evolved as we got to know people and um, hear about their story. So I think a lot of ministries get in trouble when they impose on top. I, I know what Matt Russell needs. And so we're going to do these things without ever asking, Matt, yeah. is this something you actually need? Yeah. So yeah. it was very organic, very relational. Yeah. kind of building that's amazing that's what it, it sounds like that so it's not bringing social services in even that word social mm-hmm. services it's developing relationships with people and it seems like then as you've fallen in love and you have relationships with people you realize that a brother or sister has a need that's it. and so it's the body responding to that need that's exactly right right and, and some really subtle shifts so like when UTMB came in they have other clinics on the island and none of them run as well as ours does both from like behavior issues to throughput all of the like success kind of metric stuff and the reason we think it's successful is because this was this community's place first it wasn't a clinic that all of a sudden started inviting people in it was this community's place and UTMB is the guest that's coming in and so all of the rules that are happening all of the like social norms and things like that it's set by this community and UTMB is kind of expected to follow that so it doesn't feel like a clinic when you're upstairs it's super holistic and organic and well and you know everybody's name and their story that's the other thing too right so when I've been there it seems like there's a thousand stories of people that are in that Mm -hmm. that space and it seems that as you move watching you move through that is is you're not interacting with um this kind of category called client or you're not the service provider there's something deeply familial about that you know and siblinged about that as you're talking with people that's exactly right Uh, i think it's pema chodron who's this buddhist um thinker writer and, and she talks about how compassion um, really stems from an understanding of kinship, right? When we realize that we belong to each other, that's where compassion grows and develops from. And so I think all of our work is really this extension of knowing people. I mean, the same way that if you were in trouble or needed something, Matt, like we would respond, right? And so um, we've gotten to know this segment of our population in Galveston and say, hey, how can we do this together, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because when you, when you talk about kinship and proximity and relationships, mm-hmm. yeah. like when I think about people may ask like a lot of people listen to this like I can't relate I've never been unsheltered mm-hmm. in my life but I've been around unsheltered people but I, I don't I think it would be surprising for people to think let me ask these folk what they need because mm-hmm. we kind of think we know what they what need, they need. <laughs> but a, a other thing I would say is because because we've never been in close proximity mm-hmm. the closest proximity a lot of us get to a homeless or an unsheltered person is when we pull up to the stoplight the drive by, right. and there's someone standing there on the median with a sign. Yep. Yeah. And we kind of look like, Oh, I'm fiddling with the radio. Yeah, exactly. It is, you know, click lock the door. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, or, or you might, might be in a certain area of town once you walk into your car and so, or the gas station and someone may approach you and ask for, mm-hmm. you know, a, a handout or a donation. That's not, kinship in any way Mm-mm. that's a very transactional exactly right. relationship but i think that's one of the reasons why it's hard for people that you know unless you put yourself in a place 
like I know Mercy Street, um, yeah. they still monthly would go under the bridge. I think they're still doing mm-hmm. um, Mercy Street under the bridge where they go out, folks who are, um, yeah. and the folks who go on a regular basis and serve develop relationships with those folks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I actually think we have so much to learn about what relationships and community looks like from that population. Yes. Um, it's amazing the stories. There's there's a group that gets together every Friday night, unsheltered folks. Um, one of them has a phone that they're able to get Wi-Fi from somewhere, and they have movie night together on Friday nights. You know, this group of people that didn't know each other beforehand, but are finding ways to do life together um, at one of our parks, and they pool their food stamps together to share like snacks for the evening. And it's just this really beautiful example of kinship that I think we miss sometimes. Mm. Um, this willingness to be with each other, to really depend on each other in more than just superficial mm. ways. One of the things I've loved just about you and getting to know you is that I, I love just reading your Facebook page and the mm. stories that you have. What is, what, is some, what is something or a story that's captured your imagination in the last couple of weeks that you... Uh, um, you might talk about. Yeah, this may be a little older than a couple of weeks, but I think, you know, back to your definition of church, one of my mm. favorite stories was, um, it's probably a year or two ago, we were, we passed the the baskets for the offering on Sunday mm-hmm. mornings and, um, and um, our people, people making change. Get a 20. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it's like an AA meeting out of there. <laughs> exactly right. So we get all kinds of crazy things that end up in there, like broken Mardi Gras beads, um, dead batteries have been in there before, gift cards with zero balance, which is like cool. <laughs> yeah, awesome. nice. But you can reload <laughs> it. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. If you want to take it and right reload there. it, you can That's reload exactly it. Right. Yeah. So, um, but one Sunday morning, there was a nine millimeter bullet in the uh, offering basket. Wow. And so uh, people that were counting the money were like, what do you think about this? And because my ego is so big, I assume this must be somebody that was angry with Send my sermon. Your, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> you have your name on it? Exactly. <laughs> Did you check? In my bed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, like, after some time processing that, I realized, okay, Michael, have your, like, Copernicus moment, realize the world doesn't revolve around you. What if this was a person that, that bullet had been intended for an enemy? for somebody else and that morning they had the courage to like place that in the basket sort of give up this hatred of another or like so often with um like mental health maybe that enemy was themselves and that bullet was going to go in their own body and that morning they made that courageous decision to place it in the offering basket Mm -hmm. and i like to imagine that like that was the very first thing that was placed in that basket and so the entire church as the basket was being passed through the sanctuary had to hold the weight of that together Mm -hmm. and i think that's what we do as church right is we um hold that weight the days that we feel like a loaded gun right you have a community of people to come alongside you and kind of hold the weight of that in that moment and um yeah, so so church is sort of this um, place where we can come and be like ruthlessly authentic and vulnerable and honest and um, have people that will welcome us and meet us in that. Last time we were here, we talked about belonging before any of the other yeah. bees, behaving, believing. So we're trying to create that space here. And I think y'all are doing that as well at Chapelwood. I know mm-hmm. communities like Mercy Street and others. Yeah. Yeah. Trying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what's captured our attention and our imagination here is how do we be a belonging system, uh-huh. you know, because the church writ large at its core, when it acts as a belonging system, people will show up and say, I need that, yeah. right? The deepest part of our fears is this, this massive isolation. And yes. we've gone through a whole season where we've just doubled down on that. We've experienced that. And, and I think communities that understand, wait a minute. This is about belonging. Yeah. This is not about, not about the diabolos that you, you know of dividing. It's about belonging. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do that. 
And I think it's tricky right now because in some ways we're more connected than ever, but mm. I think we're also more isolated, isolated than ever in the same breath. It, beca- it, well, it goes back to what you said. I mean, social media connection mm. is not kinship. No. No. It's transactional. Yeah. It's all yeah. transactional. That's right. Because you put something out there that you want people to like posting about the podcast. Hey, listen to the podcast. Share the hey, podcast. Hey, hey, share. Or it's like, here's my position on this particular issue. Yep. Right? And I'm not coming out here to actually engage in any kind of healthy dialogue. Yeah. I just want you to know, here's the truth. Yeah. And then in the comment section, everyone goes at it. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that's really authentic community. Not at all. No. Where you no. sit across the table from someone that you can look in their eyes and hold their hands and disagree. That's the, you know, thing you see in the world and the church and everywhere else we're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is people are so focused on the external things. Yeah. And, I, and when I think about the the ministry that you all do mm-hmm. with folks who are unsheltered and homeless it's like i know a lot of folks in the churches that i have served would look at these folks as very different um and make a lot of assumptions yeah. like they all have mental health issues or they're lazy or drug i mean fill in the whatever. are they drug addicts or fill in the blank but usually none of the narratives are anything other mm-hmm. than like <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like um, what was the thing we talked about where we define ourselves over we we define ourselves by the things that we are against or by the things that that we feel are opposite mm-hmm. of us that we don't want to be. But it's usually it's a lot of Merton talks about it's a lot of shadow casting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. And Projection. so it's like we're afraid that that may be us, or maybe Absolutely. there's parts of us that is that that we look at and are afraid of. We're disgusted by that, so we have to be over right. against that. We don't even want to understand or be up close to it. Yeah, I don't know because I mean you're around a community of people and so you can speak more to like what's that community like like you say they share movie night you right. know in the park or... and it's the same anxiety right the same anxieties that my middle class folks have are the same things that these population have it just you know manifests a little bit differently but people are people or people are people and so huh. and often the same i mean the same probably percentages of mental illness of laziness of Whatever the the descriptors are, addiction probably all exists when those upper middle class populations as well. There are people um, who have jobs who are lazy. Uh, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Why are you looking at me, John? Or, uh, <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> you looking at me? You, Matt Russell is not. I'm it's way lazier than no, that's Matt not Russell. True. Is. Uh, yeah, that's more funny. manic. I'm selectively lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Which means you Sabbath. I'm selectively I, lazy. I like that. Yeah, so. we're just we're not that different, you know. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean. Because I think people would look and say, we're very different. Mm. We're very different. Mm. You know, we talked about last Sunday, we celebrated our circle of friends, our special needs ministry, 25 years. Naomi Mitchum started that as a volunteer. And she started it because she was diagnosed um, with multiple sclerosis and was confined Mm. to a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And she realized as an educator who is involved in Christian education, all of a sudden she didn't have access this was early in the days of churches being, you know, handicap accessible, yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah. ramps and automatic mm-hmm. doors. Now every place has it, but a lot of churches didn't back no. then. You know, who was it that churches were, um, I think it was Jim or somebody said at the funeral, actually all the churches had these huge staircases mm. up to the top. That's right. And they were like, yeah. you know, they were not welcoming yeah. for people who were, and we, we use the term differently abled. And I shared that with people because nowadays, anytime you use some new word, everybody thinks you're like culturally under attack, right? Because they're differently abled. Oh, it's so politically correct. But I thought about it and I was like, no, this is really true. We're all differently abled. I mean, so my wife is much better abled at emotional 
some emotional <laughs> issues than I am or, or, yeah, sure. you know, so it's not just physical, physical ability, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think about some of our circle of friends, community, intellectually challenged, or, you know, they're able yeah. differently, but man, I'll tell you what, when you walk in the room, oh. as far as I'm not able to show love mm. in the way that they are able yeah. to show, yeah. they have it on me. I walked in between the services to reception and every one of them smiling, hug you. They remember your story. Yeah, it was yeah. one young girl. I haven't seen her in two years mm. plus. She goes, how's Maddie doing in school? I haven't seen Maddie in a long wow. time. My daughter. Wow. I'm like, and my daughter hasn't seen her either. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Yeah. But again, it's that flip instead of starting with what's wrong with you, right? It's what's right. And what are these gifts that we can sort of leverage for continuing the kingdom kind yeah, of thing. You yeah. know? I think it's important. I wonder if the stories that we have of each other, um, they, they keep us disconnected mm. and, and they provide us with enough um, reason not to interact, not to move towards each other. What I love about what's happening at Central is that those those walls have, have been broken. It's not like unicorns and rainbows. No, and it's a mess. Oh, it's a right. mess, yeah. But you've done communities a, messy. You've that done is, a really yeah. You've done a really good job yeah. at saying this is the way we're going to operate. Yeah, I mean a great example. So a couple of weeks ago, I was um, preaching at a different church in town, and um, I checked my phone after service is done, and you know flood of text messages, which is never a good thing. And so right before service starts, we have a knife fight in our back parking lot, um, which happens I think a lot at Chapelwood. We have that. We had really, last Sunday. Yeah, yeah. the contemplative yeah, service Sunday. especially. Although we so. use um, butter knives. <laughs> The little small and sometimes rounded, just butter, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was, <laughs> yeah, it was its second Sunday. It was at Sunday chicken lunch. I think yeah, they, they, were, they were knife fighting over the butter. You so, can't get, yeah. yeah, don't get in the it's way tough, of potluck man. time. Yeah, They'll cut it. you. Watch it. So, anyway, so like right before service, um, police show up, come into the sanctuary in the middle of service to check. It was incredibly disruptive. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm not there. I'm kind of having a freak out of like, how many emails are going to have about this? How many people did we just lose? How many new guests were walking up for the first time and see all this Cops, stuff? Yeah. And you know, the community just has to understand this is what life looks like sometimes. And so we handled the issue. My staff was unbelievable. By the time that the police showed up, it was already, and it wasn't our community that called the police. It was one of the neighbors that saw something going on. Um, but the way that they de-escalated everything, handled it internally, and there was still the spirit of love and welcome and never a moment of, oh, we can't do this anymore. This is too risky now, this is crossed the line. It's like, yeah, it's gonna happen sometimes and how can we prevent this right. from escalating and getting serious? But it, it's messy and then you also see in those messy moments like the values that we tried to instill in the community kind of come out. Right. So it was really beautiful. And, and that's because you know the people mm-hmm. in that area. And so I've just, even some of the stories you and I have shared about other folks that have contacted you about folks that you know and are in relationship with and are saying, is this person safe? Unsafe? Tell yeah. me about this. Yeah. And so if you're treating folks as um, a client, that's right. if you're treating somebody as something to serve, not as a brother or sister right. to learn from, then you don't have to be really curious about. One of the things I've loved about getting to know you is just your insatiable curiosity mm. about the other you know you're really concerned i want to know those folks and you've built a whole church around yeah. that that is seems to be kind of caught that bug of curiosity of the other yeah and it's not just me it's it's that whole community that has like developed that spirit i think i might have shared last time but i love that word curiosity mm. because it comes from the word 
where we get the word cure from, like to heal. So there's something about me being curious about you that moves me towards you. Um, and in that, we get to know each other and I don't know, salvation or something might happen in that space. <laughs> God shows up. Like it's, it's really cool. One of the things that interests me too is how when the church is alive and at work mm-hmm. in real time, how it begins, you know, I, I always say, you know, the mission really should be that, uh, that we're to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, mm-hmm. but we embody grace to those um, to, to those who need it as we receive it right. and everyone needs it. Right. Yeah. But it's, we do all of this for the purpose of bringing about the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. The mm-hmm. kingdom of God is at hand. That was kind of the central whole thing is mm-hmm. to make the kingdom of God a reality yeah. in your sphere of influence. Uh-huh. And what the kingdom of God means as you, you both know, this is that any place where God reigns, any place where God is present and God reigns, and is where the kingdom of God is a reality. And I'd be curious to know how you see in Galveston, particularly, mm. how the kingdom of God is becoming a reality beyond just the walls of what you do at Central. I mean, I'm sure there's stories of like what you all are doing is echoing or resonating, rippling into other parts of the community. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think there's been lots of glimpses of that. So, um, uh, I think a place like Central like cultivates curiosity. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell is going on over there? You know, and mm-hmm. so uh, UTMB being interested, I think, has been a good marker of that. Of how do we do care differently instead of it just being this kind of um, throughput? Uh, we're measuring um, productivity and like how many patients can we get through to like please the almighty dollar. There's been some intentional efforts because of the clinic at Central to say, hey, let's slow down. Let's think about how we're interacting with our patients. Let's think about trauma-informed care. Let's think about how we're showing up. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's been really exciting. Um, I was in a meeting this week with um, some county officials that are thinking through some affordable housing things. So there's a $50 million HUD grant that we're going after to try to build some affordable housing in Galveston. And this isn't just central. These are all these nonprofits that have sort of caught the vision and no longer see uh, Joe Homeless as um, a problem, but as a community member. Mm. And so we have a responsibility then to that person Mm. instead of just trying to export poverty off the islands. We can maybe talk a little bit about um, Jacques Lacan, mm-hmm. not Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, Shaka yeah. Khan, let me love you, Shaka Khan. Let me love he you, can that's talk all about Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, let me love you, Shaka Khan. That's perfect. We could have time that I feel for you. Mm. Let me hold you in my arms, let me keep you with your charm, Shaka. Because you know I'm the one to keep you warm, Shaka. See this, my ADHD gets off. Go ahead. It's so good. Yeah, but he can 80s you. Go back to Jaka. Jaka? Jaka Khan? Jaka. Jacques Lacan. Jacques Lacan. French guy. Yeah. So he plays... A lot of times people will ask me about our population in Galveston and and they'll ask questions about the population, which are really kind of coded questions for what's wrong with these people is really what the question boils down to, as if there's some kind of disease that needs to be removed. And so Jacques Lacan, I think, is really helpful because he talks about this idea of symptom, symptom, um, but he spells it the Latin way. Um, which nobody cares about, but it's S-I-N-T-H-O-M-E, symptom is how you would say that. And in French, which Jacques Lacan is French, symptom sounds a lot like symptom, which means holy man. And so he has this interesting play that says these symptoms in our society, in our social body, mm-hmm. like homelessness, are these symptoms, mm-hmm. all of a sudden become the prophets, the sort of holy men and women that point us to where like our community is sick and needs to be healed. And so all of a sudden, again, Joe Homeless on the corner in Galveston is no longer this cancer that needs to be removed, but is a symptom of our communal unwellness that affordable housing 
is not something we have in Galveston. Like there's a movement right now to try to create affordable housing for people that make my salary. And my salary is a dream salary for the people that we work with. And so I think people are beginning to have this shift, this kingdom of God moment where they're seeing, it may not be kinship yet, but it's at least not hatred. Or you guys were talking about enemies last week, right? So it's no longer seeing this person as the enemy, but at least as maybe family. And we have to do something. Right. Galveston has to be different right. because of right. this. Right. And so these people now have an elevated position of being the prophets that show us where we're missing the yeah. mark yeah. and how we can do better. Yeah. That's good. That's the, Latin, French, You did it all English. right there. What else do you that. want? You want a philosopher? You want, a, you want an obscure philosopher? That's why you're <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things he talks about, Russell's too. Russell's got all the obscure philosophers. He's great. I, this, this, is why, this, this is why Michael and I like each other. We'll just nerd out together. Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the things he talks about, too, I think, within that is that that whole understanding that people that are that are bearing those things that often our culture and society doesn't know what to do with uh-huh. mental health issues, um, uh, physical ailment, all, ends up being the canary in the cave, so to speak. That's exactly right. That they are the ones that are saying you're living in a system that is sick and you can marginalize these people to your own detriment. That's right. But if you ask them, what are they bearing witness to? They're bearing witness to a sickness of a culture or an environment that everybody is sick in. Yes. And so if we can figure these things out in the relationships between the whole, we may have a chance of what John is talking about, entering more into the kingdom of God. That's exactly right. Right? That's we're, exactly right. Where we're all caught up in that. Yeah. Right? I, I was with a group in Houston last week and we were looking at um, Lazarus and the rich man, Luke mm-hmm. 16. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a... The rich man, he has no name. Yeah, no name. <laughs> Lazarus yeah. gets a name. He does get a name. Isn't that interesting? I love that. Yeah, huh. it's great. And I've heard that story preached sometimes is like, you know, um, Lazarus really needed this rich guy, right? That was the relationship that was broken because he's under the table and he's the dogs are looking at sores and all this stuff. But I think as the story goes on, we learn it was actually the rich guy who needed Lazarus, Mm -hmm. right? In some ways, the rich guy, even after he dies, refuses to die. He's still trying to send Lazarus to go do all these like errand boy kind of things, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Go get my, I think it's what you have Matt do for you. Go get my I'm basically that guy. Yeah, exactly. Can I lick your sores? But we need each other because what happens whenever we become isolated from those folks in our community? I mean, what does our wealth do to us, right? What do our gated communities do? And those aren't bad things necessarily, but we need to be in proximity with people that are yeah. different than us for our own salvation, I think. And I think that's what that story sort of teaches. It's I think the rich man actually needed Lazarus a lot more than the other way around. Oh, yeah. I think the humility, I think that's the, you know, the, the root for humility, I always say, is, is humus, humus which is the word for hummus, which it's not really, but I like <laughs> it's it. It's not why hummus yeah. tastes like dirt. Mm, um, keeps you humble. But it's the, the word hummus means of the earth. And I've always loved that image of humility. Uh, the root of humility is of the earth, which means you are more closely connected to that which you were created from. Mm. You're more closely connected to, you know, what God made us out of. Yeah. We're, mm. we're closely connected to, mm. we're grounded. Yeah. yeah. And so humility is not that... Um, that I necessarily push myself down, right. shame myself, right. but that I lift other people yeah. up. And you're closer to your own humanity in that space. That's exactly right. And we don't do that because we don't, I mean, it's like things we see going on in the world mm. with with the broader conversations around politics or religion or anything else. It's like the way we talk to each other, the way we argue to each other and man, try to manipulate information and everything else. It's like, there's no, there, there, you know, like kinship there's no humility yeah, there's yeah. no curiosity yeah 
and the only way you can win is to kind of push people into the corners as far as you can. Yeah. It's fear, it's anger. I think, I think in terms of like what you do and what any church does is rooted in fear. You've been to our campus and on Gessner mm-hmm. yeah. and you know, during COVID huge food pantry operation for the whole 13 County Houston mm-hmm. food bank region, lots of people coming through the property and everything else, you know, it's, it's like Fort Knox. Yeah. You know, we've got it's locked down pretty magnetic. Mm-hmm. We've got the magnetic key cards and we've got the gates and we've got the doors and we have a school and you have to protect the children Absolutely. have the school. But you made a comment when you came and, and we're looking at our campus. So there needs to be some space of welcome for people who just walk up off the street. Yeah. And that's dangerous because yeah. it scares, you know, it scares people. Yeah. Because um, we don't know. And them. so it's the fear. <laughs> yeah. The fear isolates us. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I see going on, whether it's in news or in, in relationships, is we ramp up the fear to divide. Yes. Mm. And so people who are trying to create and build something. Yeah. And it's rooted and, and their message is rooted in fear, never gonna build something that will last. No. And the solution's no. so easy though, right? I mean, people ask all the time, are you ever scared with what you do, right? And it's like, no, like all of the drug dealers and gangbangers are like, those are my friends, right? Yeah. So like, they're yeah. not going to come. And bankers. You got yeah, them all. and the bankers, yeah. <laughs> those, those are the worst. Yeah, it's like, so, once you come down to Galveston, I'll be fine. You might yeah, have you a might problem. you might not be okay, but I'm great. But, but I'm these are all my near friends, me, right? Yeah. So like that prayer in scripture, like deliver us from our enemies. I think sometimes we think of God like smiting people when really the solution there might be more, you turn enemies into friends and yeah. then they're no longer enemies, right? right? Kinship is sort of that solution, I think. Yeah. And so no, there's nothing to fear. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, what are you doing right now that you're excited about in the future? What are some things that are beginning to unfold that you think, oh, this kind of captured your heart and your imagination? I think this housing project is going to be game changing for the island and for our community. I mean, we're hoping by the end of the year to be moving 18 people in off the streets. So that's roughly... Because this thing's already there. It's already there. Okay. It's, it needs very little work. Um, they've had wow. students living in it since um, up through May when the semester closed. And UTMB standards are a little bit higher than ours are going to be. So it's, uh, <laughs> the building's going to be fine. So, Medical um, school students. Yeah, they're going to be fine. unsheltered population. It's going to be great. It is it's great. It's going to be great. So there's some little things that we need to do to kind of um, fix some bathroom situations. They're like the college um, dorms with the, the bathroom. And yeah, between. Between. So, Sweet. Yeah, so we need to think through some of that. Um, but that project is, is going to be really exciting, I think. We've already um, established some partnerships with some educational opportunities. The Galveston Restaurant Group has said that they're interested in being involved as like That's a second awesome. chance employer. Um, UTMB is going to be involved in the medical <clears throat> side of things. So really, I mean, giving folks a, a new start, a new future, a new opportunity, I think is just mm. really exciting and life-giving. And we're hoping that this becomes a model then to do some larger things. This hits a very narrow population. So those that have the ability to go back to work, to go back to school, or to receive like government assistance. But some of our folks with significant mental illness or whatnot, this isn't going to work for. Communal living is not going to work for. Right. So some of these larger grants projects... Um, where folks can just have a place to be. And um, Housing First is a philosophy that basically says if you can get somebody in a place where they're secure, they have a door they can close behind them and lock, all these other comorbidities like interactions with law enforcement, emergency room visits, um, mental health episodes, substance abuse, all of that decreases dramatically simply by having a place to call your own, which Mm -hmm. I think probably a lot of the NIDO therapy stuff that you like to talk about. So... um, 
Yeah, so I think that's going to be just a, an amazing opportunity. And then some creative things that are coming from that. We've got a guy who has a photography business, who's given our folks cameras and doing some photo voice things. So seeing the city from a different perspective, from our community, what places are important and significant, and then having an exhibit where they'll be able to talk and share, you know, sort of the way that they see our city and a neat learning opportunity that that's way. Amazing. Yeah, so those are all really good things. That's fantastic. What are you reading? What am I reading your, right now? It's on your bookshelf. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm teaching a, um, I'm co-teaching a, a preaching course with Perkins right now. So I've just been kind of reading that course material. So yeah. not super exciting right now. Um, I was reading a book on nidotherapy, um, okay. which was really interesting. So nidotherapy. Night of therapy? Nido. Nido. So you don't need one night. Nido. It's so That's good. It. One nidotherapy. Night if, if you do therapy in the night. Hey, Matt, I'm going to uh, come into your house for a night of therapy. It's a night of therapy. Yeah, it's these parties that Matt and I put on. It's great. So. <laughs> night of therapy. Yeah, okay, exactly. Nido, N-I-D-O. So it uh, comes from the Latin nidus, which means to nest. nest. And so it's kind oh, of. with the Latin and the French and to boom. nest. To nest. To nest. nest. Like a bird. So just think about like environment and like how people are situated. So this was a, uh, came out of the UK, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was folks that were working with the 5 to 10% of patients with schizoaffective disorders for whom traditional treatments don't work. So they said, what if we begin to tweak environments and how people sit in those environments, recognizing that self and furniture and people are all part of the environment. And if we can make that space safe, a nesting kind of area, they saw all of these symptoms just go away or disappear. Mm -hmm. So it's something we think about at Central a lot is for our more challenging folks, how do we create a space that feels safe and inviting and lets people be their full selves instead of having all these external things kind of affecting the way that they yeah. process things. Interesting. Yeah, it's good. So I've been reading a little bit about that. Um, I read Greg Boyle's new book. It's fantastic. It's great. It's really good. I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I hope I can be him one day. I've replaced you with Greg Boyle now, John. So yeah. <laughs> Kicking to the curb. Uh, I think he's much more awesome. Yeah. He's, a, he's actually well, done well, stuff. Well, I would suggest that you guys are both. <laughs> what's his, what's his newest book? What's it, what's it about? It's more stories. Um, I'm losing the title of it though. It's not barking to the choir. That was the second one. The whole, um, the whole, the whole language, the whole language, not the whole. I was gonna say the whole enchilada. The whole enchilada. <laughs> the whole language. Yeah, the whole language. So um, he's just telling more stories about his work and and gets more into the early stages of homeboy industries. So he yeah. runs the largest gang yeah. um, intervention reentry program, I think, in the world. In the it's world. like a couple thousand people mm. that come through his program yeah. and. Um, so kind of telling those stories, a lot of it's about kinship and breaking down those barriers that want to other, um, us. So it's, it's good. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I know that you are on, um, a tightrope today just cause you're going to teach and do other things, but yeah. it's been really wonderful having you here Thank you for inviting me back. Yeah. You are always welcome. You really, I just assumed today was cause like Adam Hamilton and canceled this, and, or something. And you did, so. uh, yeah, Adam did cancel, but it's okay. <laughs> Uh, and you did such a good job. We're going to let you take. I, I think just one. Two, and one? then next oh, the next year, we'll give him give another. Him and it'll be two one. years old. Should we see how And then three years. It'll be three though? years old. That's this exciting. one is. Yeah. Uh, the age. What, what's the date well, on that one? Yeah. I think they're all 21. Yeah, but this one's March 21. Oh, take that go. one. That's the oldest. Okay, good. <laughs> you guys are so generous. <laughs> Thank you. And it, tell uh, us. Lampshade Coffee. Sponsors of Bot Have Mercy. Get your lampshade coffee today. Vintage, vintage, and this is aged, <laughs> aged, and like fine wine. So this is good. aged. That's eighteen months aged in a fine brown bag. The best. So, Michael, if we want to get a hold of you, 
can we uh can people follow you on instagram or facebook can we yeah. go down and look at your church and visit and we, follow these stories yeah yeah absolutely. i try to post a lot on my facebook so i think it's michael.ginger um g-i-e-n-g-e-r for facebook and then it's just michael ginger one okay. word on instagram we'll put that up on the michael show ginger. notes and then galveston central church is the name of um our community so website live stream all that fun stuff. That's awesome. That's yeah, good. You're blessing to us all, dude. Hey, likewise. Thank you. Thanks for letting you me are. be here. And then we have a couch. You can just spend the night on the couch. It's perfect. When you come out. For my night of therapy. You're not, oh, my <laughs> night, of night of therapy. <laughs> I'm going to lay on that couch. A party. Matt's going to sit there and say, so tell me, John, all about your problems. <laughs> but I only have one evening. It's just one night. Just one. That's all you need. That's great. Well, thanks. I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. Michael Ginger. And this is Pod Have Mercy. Oh,